0: Hello, I'm Ross Smith, Deputy Director at the International Public Sector Accounting Standards Board, the Ipsasby. I'm here with my colleague, Paul Mason, Principal at the IPSASB, to discuss how the concept of materiality applies to the preparation of Ipsa's financial statements. This podcast provides the views of IPSASB staff. They are not the views of the IPSASB, and this is not an authoritative pronouncement. Before we look at how materiality is applied, Let me provide some context as to why the Ipsasby staff are issuing this podcast and the accompanying staff questions and answers document. The Ipsasby staff became aware from discussions with stakeholders involved in projects to implement Ipsas that some jurisdictions were concerned at the cost in time and money required to change how they recognized and reported transactions to be Ipsas compliant, even though the results were very similar to previous approaches. Staff came to a view that in some cases, some of these costs might be avoided or reduced if the jurisdictions were to take advantage of the materiality provisions in Ipses. However, these provisions are spread over a number of Ipses that deal with presentation, even though the materiality provisions also extend to recognition and measurement. Consequently, those implementing Ipses for the first time Especially if they are dealing with a specific transaction, such as property, plant, and equipment, or financial instruments, may not be aware of the materiality provisions. The Ipsasby staff decided, therefore, to issue this podcast in accompanying staff questions and answers document to provide a concise summary of the existing Ipsas provisions relating to materiality. Paul, can you explain what the Ipsasby means when it talks about materiality?
1: Thanks, Ross. Put simply, the concept of materiality means that specific accounting requirements, whether they relate to recognition, measurement, or presentation, can be disregarded for insignificant matters. However, these specific accounting requirements must be followed in full for important matters. Determining whether a matter is insignificant or not to an entity in the public sector depends on a number of factors. The nature of the matter or item, its size, and the particular circumstances of each entity. Materiality applies to items both individually and collectively, so a number of items might be individually immaterial, but might be material when they are considered together. IPSAS 1 Presentation of Financial Statements, contains important guidance and defines material as follows. Omissions and misstatements of items are material if they could, individually or collectively, influence the decisions or assessments of users made on the basis of the financial statements. Materiality depends on the nature and size of the omission or misstatement judged in the surrounding circumstances. The nature or size of the item, or a combination of both, could be the determining factor. Paragraph 13 of IPSAS-1 also states, Assessing whether an omission or misstatement could influence decisions of users and so be material requires consideration of the characteristics of those users. Users are assumed to have a reasonable knowledge of the public sector and economic activities and accounting and a willingness to study the information with reasonable diligence. Therefore, the assessment needs to take into account how users with such attributes could reasonably be expected to be influenced in making and evaluating decisions. The Absasby's Conceptual Framework discussed these points in more detail, noting for example that disclosure of information about compliance or non-compliance with legislation, regulation or other authority may be material because of its nature, irrespective of the magnitude of any amounts involved. A key point to note is that decisions about materiality are made using professional judgment. There are no set rules, no thresholds that can be applied, and preparers will need to weigh all the relevant factors to determine whether information is material or not.
0: Thanks, Paul. In my introduction, I mentioned that the materiality provisions in Ipses extend to recognition and measurement. Does an entity have to follow the recognition and measurement requirements of IPSAs in
1: all cases? No. Paragraph 10 of IPSAS 3, Accounting Policies, Changes in Accounting Estimates and Errors, states that IPSAs set out accounting policies that the IPSASB has concluded result in financial statements containing relevant and reliable information about the transactions, other events, and conditions to which they apply these policies need not be applied when the effect of applying them is immaterial. However, it is inappropriate to make or leave uncorrected immaterial departures from Ipsas to achieve a particular presentation of an entity's financial position, financial performance, or cash flows. These requirements in IPSAS 3 establish an overarching principle with the requirements of any IPSAS are subject to considerations of materiality. Consequently, entities need not apply the accounting provisions set out in an individual IPSAS regarding recognition and measurement, but may instead apply an alternative accounting policy, provided that the difference between applying the two policies is immaterial, and the reason for applying the accounting policy is not to achieve a particular result.
0: Thanks. Can you explain how this might be applied in practice? How could this help jurisdictions applying Ipsas for the first time?
1: Let's start by looking at how this could be applied to property, plant, and equipment. An entity might purchase an office chair for a few hundred dollars. Although the chair will meet the definition of property, plant, and equipment in Ipsos 17, property, plant, and equipment, it's unlikely to be material. Consequently, the entity could decide to expense the chair immediately and avoid the administrative burden of recognising the chair as property plant equipment, depreciating it over its expected life, and, possibly, depending on the entity's accounting policies, revaluing that chair periodically. Although the assets in the Statement of Financial Position will be understated, and expenditure in the Statement of Financial Performance overstated in the reporting period in which the chair is purchased, and understated in subsequent reporting periods, these differences will be small and won't influence the decisions or assessments that users make on the basis of the financial statements. However, if an entity is equipping a new office complex and purchasing thousands of chairs, the chairs might be collectively material even if each individual chair is not material. The total amounts involved might influence decisions and assessments that users make on the basis of the financial statements. Even in this case, though, materiality could still be used to reduce the administrative burden. In such cases, it's common practice to record a single asset for all the chairs bought at the same time, rather than recording thousands of individual assets. This is permissible because IPSAS 17 doesn't specify the level of aggregation to be used, sometimes called the unit of account, when recognising assets. And any differences in financial statements. For example, the difference between depreciating one aggregated asset and thousands of individual assets is likely to be immaterial. Another example, one that might affect jurisdictions adopting IPSAS for the first time, is financial instruments. If a government issues short-term Treasury bonds at market rates with minimal transaction costs, accounting for the bonds using a straight line basis might produce results that are almost the same as the effective interest rate method required by IPSAS 29, Financial Instruments, Recognition and Measurement. If the the differences between these two methods are not material, the entity could apply the straight-line basis, which, in those jurisdictions already using the straight-line basis, is likely to simplify the transition to IPSAS. However, the likelihood of the differences being material will increase as the term of the bonds increases, as the rates diverge from market rates, or as transaction costs increase. If a jurisdiction chooses to use a different basis to that specified in IPSAS, it would need to have procedures in place to verify that the differences remain immaterial and be ready to adopt the policies specified in IPSAS as soon as any differences become material.
0: That covers recognition and measurement. How does materiality apply to presentation
1: and disclosure issues? Let's start by looking at presentation. Paragraph 46 of IPSAS 1 states that if a line item is not individually material, it is aggregated with other items, either on the face of the financial statements or in the notes. An item that is not sufficiently material to warrant separate presentation on the face of those statements may nevertheless be sufficiently material for it to be presented separately in the notes. So, for example, an entity might own significant amounts of land and buildings, but only a very small amount of vehicles and office furniture. Although the office furniture and vehicles are in different classes of property, plant and equipment, they can be aggregated into a single class on the face of the Statement of Financial Position if they are not material. And it's not unusual to see an item in the same financial position for other property, plant, and equipment that includes all the classes of property, plant, and equipment that are not individually material. Turning to individual disclosures, paragraph 47 of Ipsas 1 states that applying the concept of materiality means that a specific disclosure requirement in an Ipsas need not be satisfied if the information is not material. The assessment will require an exercise of professional judgment and will need to be made on a case-by-case basis. Including a large number of disclosures about immaterial matters distracts attention from important disclosures and undermines understandability.
0: Thank you, Paul. As you have heard, materiality is an important concept when preparing financial statements. And a number of other standard setters have useful material on this topic. The International Accounting Standards Board IASB, has an active project to help preparers, auditors and regulators use professional judgment when applying the concept of materiality. Both the International Auditing and Assurance Standards Board IASB, and the International Organization of Supreme Audit Institutions or INTOSAI, include guidance on materiality and audits in their standards. Links to all of this information are included in the staff questions and answers document that accompanies this podcast. This document is available on the IPSASB website at www.ipsasb.org. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and goodbye from Paul Mason and me, Ross Smith.